According to recent Adobe Analytics report, a record-breaking $9.12 billion was spent online during this year's Black Friday events. And that's not including brick-and-mortar sales or what was spent on Cyber Monday. FinWisdom listeners may recall that I do not normally recommend making purchases just because a product or service is on sale. However, Black Friday is an annual event where we know hundreds of thousands of items will be selling at a reduced cost. And so, what I do is start a list in advance, itemizing things that I already plan to buy or replace a month or so prior to the big sales event weekend. Because why not save a little money on things you already plan to purchase, right? I feel no guilt in keeping more money in my pocket for things that I mentally committed to buy. And yet, feelings of guilt are gnawing at me for reasons I will be sharing soon enough. This emotional experience, this stress, this desire to be seen as a good person but reflecting on actions that could be deemed bad, also influence our financial behavior. And we're going to have a little chat about this topic today on Finn Wisdom. Hello, I'm your host, Joel, and welcome to episode three of season five, where we're focusing on the misunderstood frets of regrets. Today's journey is entitled Eternal Damnation Awaits. I'd like to remind all the listeners once again that this whole season is dedicated to regrets because of the power they have over us and our ability to manage our money. The categories of regrets we discuss are based on the book The Power of Regret written by Daniel Pink, who is a famous New York Times bestselling author who concentrates on social science. So I felt compelled to dedicate this season to changing our view of regrets from a negative force into a positive force when it comes to our financial decision making. In this episode, we're going to get to what Mr. Pink has labeled as mortal regrets. This is when we are tempted to take less moral choices that don't immediately feel bad, but haunt us later as morally dubious decisions. And so returning to the teaser and the reference to spending during the Black Friday sales event, the guilt wasn't necessarily that I spent the money in the way that I did. The guilt comes from not sharing with my spouse all these planned purchases. For shame! So as these boxes arrive at my doorstep, I am praying she is not at home or that they, I may reach them first before she has a heart attack from seeing all those boxes. And of course, there are some items that will be given as gifts mixed in. It shouldn't really trouble me because, as I explained, there is logic to my madness. But regardless, did I do the morally right thing by not sharing my intentions with my wife? Would there have been a better approach as to avoid this guilt? Recently, I have been rereading Dante's The Divine Comedy, considered one of the top 100 books of all time. It's a hard read as the book was translated to English many, many years ago, 
which, let me tell you, does not translate so well into today's English. And on top of that, it was written in an Italian poetic form known as Terzarima. It was created by Dante himself. And needless to say, I was determined to overcome the challenges and appreciate its recognition as a classic. Even if you haven't read the book, you know the story. That's because for over 700 years, it has been shared to depict what happens to you if you don't follow a more virtuous life. As a recap, the book is broken down into a journey of three parts. Inferno, which is hell, Purgatorio, which is purgatory, and Paradiso, which is heaven. And in this frightful tale, a man's soul travels through nine circles of hell. We learn of seven deadly sins, and we learn of the nine spheres of heaven, many of which are named after the Roman gods. For its time, and even today, this narrative is quite a complex masterpiece. The moral of the story? Live more righteously, otherwise your soul awaits unimaginable horrors. And that leads us to the focus on today's podcast, More Regrets, and as it's entitled, Eternal Damnation Awaits. And how do you know you're having this type of regret? All you need to do is ask yourself if your inner voice sounds like this. If only I did the right thing. Going back to the Divine Comedy, just consider if you ever caved into one or more of the seven deadly sins. Were you ever lured by pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, or sloth? Now, out of four regrets that will be shared over this season, mortal regrets is the least likely one people experience, but it is the longest lasting. And I don't just mean on your soul, I also mean the influence and impact on your financial decision making. Let's dive into all of this right after this brief sponsor message. You want to know what makes a great coach? It's a combination of traits that include excellent communication skills, confidence, positive attitude, empathy, and the ability to see the whole picture. It's why coaches are so good at what they do. But there is one area of expertise that even the best coaches could use some coaching of their own. In fact, adding this capability may help business exponentially and equally clients' well-being. I'm talking about improving the relationship with money and how to build money energy. And it's not just a concept. It's an actual science and can be infused into your coaching techniques. In turn, this may help make you stand out from all other coaches out there. So you're invited to participate in possibly one of the most influential webinars of your career. And it's called Introducing Money Energy in Business Coaching. And whether you are a professional coach or coach to others in your own role in life, I encourage you to register for this free event. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn more. That's d-n-a-b-e-h-a-v-i-o-r dot com. 
Before the break, I mentioned the seven deadly sins, and I alluded to that these can lead to moral regrets with your financial decision making. Let's see how many ways you are living less righteously with your money. Starting with pride. Are you someone who only buys brand name products and services? Such as, will you spend over $1,000 for a winter coat with a brand name or pay only 20% of that for something equally functional? What about shoes and sneakers? The well-known laundry detergents versus store label? The most well-known luxurious hotels? And what about luxury cars, perfumes, sports equipment, Maybe you want to be the first to follow the latest diet or fitness craze. Are you buying your kids the most desired toys this holiday season or seeking the latest technology for the cool factor? Regardless of what gives you pride, it also means you spend more. And if you spend more, then you're more susceptible to debt and overpaying. You're willing to convince yourself that a sale on a high-priced item justifies the cost. And that foolish pride about money itself can also prevent you from seeking sound financial advice or learning how to manage money better, which means you're bound to repeat mistakes, which means you're bound to repeat mistakes, which means you're bound to repeat mistakes. That's not funny. Dare we go into greed? I don't think I need to spend too much time on this one. Just think of our overconfidence in investing. Have you ever had an investment that exponentially grew? You made your goal, but you got greedy. You stayed in the market because you thought it would go higher and higher, only to have the unexpected occur. Maybe perhaps a sharp market decline was the trigger. And what about lust? Think about how your passion your desire to have something even when you cannot afford it. The first thing that comes to my mind is owning a home. Not that you may or may not be able to afford it, but that you keep convincing yourself that you can own something that is not aligned with your lifestyle sustaining income. We could put cars into this category too. What about tickets to a show? Have you ever splurged for the first few rows of an event because you felt so passionate about the cast, the band, the need to have the best experience ever? What about vacations? Starting off with a planned budget, that sounds good, but you're lured into spending double because you just had to embark on that once-in-a-lifetime activity. Envy is that feeling and need to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. Let's face it. Sometimes you're jealous of what others have and you don't. And even though there's not a need, envy triggers your emotions to act. And once you do, cognitive dissonance is felt and oh, the regrets you experience thereafter. Then there's gluttony. Has your appetite ever got the best of you? Ever overeat? If you tell me you have never done so, then I'll have to refer you to read Dan Ariely's book, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty, because everyone lies. Anyway, think of gluttony as your lack of self-control when it comes to your financial choices. 
I'm not saying that the desire to increase wealth is a bad thing, but how you generate money energy matters. Obsessive, compulsive, and excessive desire for money and material possessions is extremely unhealthy. And let's talk about wrath. Think of it as that high blood pressure, that rage, that resentment, the frustration you may have at times toward your money. Think of the irrational decisions you make about your finances because you believe you are not making enough money. Perhaps you're making unreasonable beliefs you deserve a higher salary, a bigger bonus, an inheritance, better investment performance, that you feel others unfairly have more of it than you. In response, you may try to cheat others for your own personal gains. You spend too much on lottery tickets. You're looking for quick wins to feed those resentments. And finally, there's sloth. This is having a lazy attitude toward your money, or perhaps more succinctly, having a lazy attitude or ability to generate money energy. Because you need to take action to reach satisfaction. This is the issue with the mentality of a do-it-for-me versus do-it-yourself society. Having someone or something do it for me is great, but then apply that stored energy elsewhere in your life, otherwise you will lose it. We have become very prone to becoming very slothy. So that's my interpretation of the seven sins of financial behavior. However, I want to change your view of mortal regrets as less sinful and more saintly. Right after this brief message from our sponsor. You may already know, the sponsor Fin Wisdom is DNA Behavior, but one of the reasons I'm proud of that fact is anyone, and that includes you, can visit dnabehavior.com and take a free behavioral assessment to uncover your personal behavioral style. DNA Behavior is known as the Behavior and Money Insights Company for a reason. We have the science, tools, and programs to help you and your organization take quantum leaps in decision-making, talent acquisition, and enhancing your client's experience. This isn't just a pitch. It's also a sincere and genuine opportunity to learn more about yourself. So visit dnabehavior.com. That's D-N-A-B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R.com to start your own discovery of why you do what you do with your money. Learn how DNA Behavior can also help improve your organization's decision-making or help add value to your own coaching practices. I don't want anyone to feel that any of the moral regrets we discussed today have a permanent, long-lasting detrimental impact on your ability to manage your money. Regardless of your own faith or spirituality, you have given yourself life moral guidelines. And obviously, you cannot go back in time to change those poor decisions, but you can take what I expressed as the seven deadly sins of financial behavior into the seven saintly actions to positively influence your future financial choices. So let's revisit these sins from a different lens by considering the following five takeaways. Number one, how do you know you cross the line? How do you define financial activities that are good versus bad? 
It starts with minimally establishing a budget and continues with proactive financial planning. Whether you use online tools or seek professional advice, get help. These are your financially moral guidelines that you're establishing. Neglect to capture all your expenses. If you overspend in a category, or undersave or underinvest toward your short and long-term goals, you will be more prone to having regrets down the line. Number two, it's sometimes okay to get lazy about your money as long as you don't procrastinate to take action today. For example, and I know you hear this time and time again from so many places, but get the most from your retirement plans. Conventional advice says you should minimally place a portion of your pay into your 401k or some related retirement account, some amount that maximizes company matching. I got to tell you, I'm not always a big fan of this advice. I think this underscores the value. Yes, I agree with the sentiments of the recommendation, but if you have created a budget for yourself, I would ask you to consider how much of your discretionary money the funds remaining after you've taken care of your expenses, those short-term goals and long-term goals that you have remaining. Can you thereby increase the amount you save every paycheck? The combination of more into your retirement and less for spending today will help in two valuable ways. One, it should help reduce more regrets with your money. And two, it will increase your chances of retiring sooner than planned. Number three. And you're going to begin to see that everything wraps around budgeting and planning. But we need to be honest with ourselves. We are imperfect human beings. And I've always argued that we constantly ask the wrong question in the financial world. And that is, how can we take the emotions and behavioral variability out of our financial decision making? And it's always been the wrong question. We need to know how to accommodate them. So, if you falter... If you committed a sin with your money, find forgiveness in yourself, not by the thought, but by the action. If you overspend or lured by unrealistic wants or investment performance, make choices that you later regret. Take an equal, if not greater, positive action in response. If you budgeted correctly, then you should know how much money per paycheck or per month you have to spend any way you want. So, if you overstep that boundary, redeem yourself by taking equal, if not more, money from that bucket and apply it to a short or long-term goal in the way of your savings or investment accounts. Number four, and I've given this advice often, pause. I mean literally pause. It has been written that as little as four seconds before you take action, even with your money, can help avert a disastrous decision. On the flip side, consider how that money spent, saved, or invested is attuned to your own moral judgment. Think about where your dollars go. Are you more likely to spend your money with companies and services that you see give back to communities and special causes that show social responsibility. That's one of the hottest topics for the past 10 years in investing in socially responsible companies. 
While I would find it hard to believe that any company would not want to do the right thing by the way it does business, treat its employees or customers, or where they source their products, I do believe there are varying degrees, and you should always hunt those particular directions that most align to you. Number five, and I find the timing and the release of this podcast could not be better as we're in the middle of holiday seasons where we give and express thanks for what we have and shared support among friends and families. So on that note, consider spending and saving in ways that makes you feel good. I have no specific studies to cite as proof of this, but it does seem like the more you give, the more you do receive. Where possible, donate. And that doesn't always have to be monetary. It can be by sharing your learning lessons with others. Your experiences can help others possibly avoid moral regrets and vice versa. It's often considered taboo to discuss monetary issues with friends and family. Well, I think that's ridiculous, especially in the world we live in today where we socialize every tidbit of our lives, where our online presence, commentaries, photo sharing, special events, emotional reactions are on display for all to see. Rather than say or post just what went wrong with your monetary decisions, pause, as I just mentioned, and make sure to share learning lessons or the successes you had and in the context of your life, not others. If you do this, I'm betting you will find it a lot harder to do, but much more rewarding and bonding experience with others as you will learn and support one another. And remember, Don't tell people what they should be doing, only how your financial choices helped your particular situation. And in the same vein, I always ask that if you are enjoying Vin Wisdom, help others understand their behaviors and their money relationship by spreading the word. I'd really appreciate it. If I may, I'd like to leave you with one final thought. When it comes to whether or not you're naughty or nice this holiday season or this coming year, I would err on the side of being a little nicer, not just to others, but be kinder to yourself. Just because you may have experienced moral regrets in your life doesn't necessarily mean your money or your soul are eternally lost. As a copyright reminder, Written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Finn Wisdom.